With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Is your check engine light on? Don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today and let our professional parts people scan your vehicle for free. We'll retrieve the codes, discuss possible solutions, and even help you find a professional technician if needed. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today for our free check engine light help. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. So we're talking about beer. Beer. Uh, uh, beer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Beer. Just cutting, we're just cutting short the ram at time. We're going to get right into it. And that way, same time. It's your boy, 3K, at 3K, underscore, Robbo, at Seattle Rams, underscore, NFL. What's up, man? What's going on? Jerks. Joey Jojo, oh, 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 the jerk, 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 at LA Rams. This is serious. At LA Rams, Rams, Rams. <laughs> That's at LA Rams, Rams, Rams. What's up, jerk? I like beer. Do, do you like beer? No, kind he, of. Does not like, he does not like uh, beer. Well, that's a bad That's not true. Joke. So here's the thing. I like beer. I'm just bad at liking beer because all the beers that people aren't supposed to like, I think they're fine. And so I think I, my, like my beer palate is just broken. And yeah. it's one of those things when, you know, in 2018, when you have all these great beers and all these nice beers that you can have, and especially if you live in a big city and you've got all these, you know, craft brews and microbreweries and all these beers you can have, and you're supposed to be like, yeah, these are great. And then when you drink Bud Light, you're supposed to be like, oh, this is piss. Who would drink that? That's and what I'm I do. The guy, yeah, I'm the guy who would totally, I literally drank a Budweiser the other day, and I was like, yeah, this is quite fine for my happiness. Well, yeah, because you're living out in the wild, Joe. That's, that's right. right. That's right. We, I, we need to make this a segment of like Joey is like a like a what's his name Steve Irwin, the Australian here in Dallas, Texas, observing the beer drinkers. It seems he has a rolling rock. Let's see. He seems to like it. Unbelievable. I'll tell you what, I, I when I went to that. I was told that Amstel Light and Heineken are made in the same factory, that they're essentially like the same beer. It's just a different button that they're pressing. <laughs> it's like the, the drive-thru, right? You just hit the button and it spits it out and you, away you go. <laughs> yeah, the last time I went to St. Louis, my, I did my last trip to St. Louis before they moved just to kind of get my last my last taste of St. Louis. I decided to do the uh, Anheuser-Busch tour. It was, uh, it was kind of cool to go down there. I mean – to get the history of that. How, ma- how many Dells, beers do they make? I feel like they make like 300 oh beers. Oh, my God. They had so many beers. Uh, so you, you kind of do the tour at the end. They take you out to this, like, beer garden pavilion thing, and you get a token free beer before they send you on your way. And I was like, yeah, what do you want? And they had a tap that was – that thing was – like, the tap room was forever. It was huge, and you get to pick whatever beer you wanted. So I looked for the most crafty craft beer-looking thing I could find. Because I'm not a Budweiser drinker. I don't drink crap beers, uh, which Budweiser is. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Hazard Bush. But 
you know, I took three drinks of it and I gave it back to him. Like, yeah, I'm out. Thanks. Because it, it, you know, had a fancy label, but it still tasted like their mass produced piss that it yeah. is. It was, it's terrible. Yeah. It's just garbage. Can't do it. And, and, and that's the thing. I think would you, uh, I can be honest about it and say, yeah, it's terrible. And I'm just a terrible beer drinker. It doesn't, it doesn't phase me. It's almost like, um, you know, somebody that, that recognizes that Applebee's is just yeah, fucking yeah. horrible. But still goes there and is like, yeah, I have no problem eating. This is I like this hamburger. I don't have a problem with this. It, it's one of those things where I should feel shame, and I, I just honestly don't. It totally surprises me because someone with your food palate, you I know. really just kind of don't care on the on the beer beer thing. Which is, I, I mean, so you don't. own it, so it's it, it totally there. Whereas you yeah. know, Brandon Bate just I saw unlocked his his thousandth beer today and untapped some crazy app where he logs every beer he drinks. But that man eats cheese and crackers for you know, four meals a week. He I, calls it a very, I, don't, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, it's just, oh, I think that's so weird because I'd be hungry all the time. Um, yeah, I, th- all right. I think the problem is you're, you're underrating how much meat and cheese boards he eats. <laughs> yeah, man. I guess. Yeah. I mean, chicken tenderloin. But pizza. then it's such a snack, though. I just feel like a charcuterie plate is great. But I mean, as a meal, once every once in a while, it's like, oh man, like we really roughed it today. Yeah. We had a we had a we had a meat yeah. and cheese plate for lunch. But I mean, See, then this dinner. Is one, this is one where we're in agreement, and we're clearly going to have to bring him on to defend himself because this is a three versus zero uh, topic. Um, we've got a couple things on the intros that we could knock out. Weekend plans, first and foremost. Here, I, I've got a four-day weekend. My daughter is. Is everybody else got a four-day weekend? Is that what's going on in America? I, I, I don't. I, I, it's not that I don't care about other people around America, but it's one of those things where I only know my daughter's school district, and so I don't know what the hell else is going on in America. Does everybody else have a four-day weekend? I don't uh, think so. Like, like yeah, my kid has preschool tomorrow. I'm pretty sure. Um, my what, my kid's been out of school for ten years. Why would there years, be a? So I, I I can't comment on the the mm. this, the school year any longer. I'm old. So I know it's Col- I know it's Columbus Day. Does pre it does preschool need to observe holidays? Is that one of those things? Where, <laughs> where, well, where even on they, day, I mean, isn't preschool like a, the big ones? So the teachers yeah. can kind of you know do the thing. Like obviously. You know the biggies, but um, like President's Day and stuff like that. I don't. I, I forget. He's only done like one year, and he's like, it's like the three-year-old preschool, so it's like the it's essentially um, fancy daycare. But um, right, that's, so, that's what I thought preschool is. It's, you know, it's it's daycare where they try to teach you something that you can take with you to actual school. Yeah, but they're in a classroom, so they have to do all that sort of like you know, like sit on your little square and line up, and you know. Sure, but if they, gave, different every, is, yeah. if, they, if they closed every time they had a holiday, like they do actual school, they'd be out of business because people wouldn't go but there. Cause they, but that's kind of the work. point, right? Is, is, is that that kind of part of preschool is just to teach you to be a part of society, right? Go sit in line, sit yeah. crisscross applesauce in your square. You, yep. you, get, you get your snack when it's your turn. That, my favorite yeah. was my daughter, when she was three years old, went to Teddy Bear Daycare, which the whole time she was going there was just farcical, absolute nonsense, bullshit, joking. And then when she got to the end, they had an official graduation ceremony where they lined the kids up with mortarboard on uh, hats, and, and they had to walk down to the old uh, 
pomp and circumstance you know, music and get an official diploma to graduate from teddy bear daycare. And when they graduated, instead of a diploma, they got a juice pack. And I thought it was kind of perfect. I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, juice pack great. is great. Anytime. Anytime a juice pack is great. Yeah. Speaking of juice packs, weekend plans, Joey. What you got going on this weekend? Well, I have a uh, got a got a big uh, big party tomorrow night. Got to go too. Got a you know got the a babysitter big party. A big what are those? You know when people turn forty and they kind of they rent out like a warehouse and they they really go to town and do a whole deal like wheel in the juice pack. and a dance floor and like a yeah everybody gets a juice pack and. Uh, yeah, man. Like, um, I feel like 40-year-old parties are a lot more of a big deal than when people turn 30. Because I think when you're 30, you're kind of like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I got, you know, I got shit to do. And they're, you know, whatever. I mean, people do have good, but I feel like 40, people understand the, the gravity of the situation. Is it as Sandra was saying, like, at 30, you still have hope, but at 40, you realize you've peaked? You're 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 set in stone a little bit. Well, and I and I think you also understand like maybe when you're 50, you might be not have the energy to do a big old huge whoa hey panty ass party. Oh, <laughs> Who knows? Oh, hold that truck right there. I I uh, I had my 50th birthday this past April, and uh, we went out. We went out and had a little had a little fun, had a little mm-hmm. gathering. Well, you're you can, very. You can have fun, but was it celebratory? Uh, yeah. I mean, I. I I got got together with about I think we had like thirty people there or so but kind of had like a little get together and we were out pretty late and yeah it was like I, I didn't change from what I had done when I was thirty other than the fact that I could af- I could afford better drinks at the at the time right uh, <laughs> oh you hey you could afford those good Anheuser Busch beers those good yeah. that Michelada Lime Rita yeah, totally nice. instead of instead of doing you know. Uh, Jose Cuervo, I'll do a Patron. Just that's the difference. Yep, <laughs> I like it. Uh, Robo, you're is this you? You're going to uh, Henry's Tavern. Explain what that is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's, so, uh, well, for weekend plans, since I live in Seattle, there's a game going on up here that's of interest to me as a Rams fan. And so we're myself and uh, Nick Martin, another local fan here. We kind of try to get together with other Rams fans and give them something to do. So we're going to have a little gathering. South of Seahawks Stadium at Henry's Tavern. We did it last year. We'll do it this year as well. And we'll just uh, you know, have Rams fans come out, hang out. I know there's about 20 or 25 people have reached out to me on Twitter. So we should have a pretty good gathering of people just around. Uh, Scotty Wags is coming up from Portland, another TST staff. Big Wags. And so we're going to get together at Henry's Tavern before the game, get there about 10, 1030, and, and have a little gathering of, of Rams fans just to annoy all the Seahawks fans who are already expecting to lose this week. So it's going to be fun. It should be a good time on Sunday. Trap. That's way to yeah. trap. It's, it's, it's way trap. to get a hold of you at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. NFL. Yep. Twitter or on our Facebook TST Facebook page. You got you know send us a message there. I'll I'll catch it there as well. But yeah, come on down if you're in town or you're going to the game or you're whatever. Come on down and hang out with other Rams fans and let's uh, let's have fun watching the the long faced Seahawks fans who know they're about to walk to you know the guillotine, right? They're taking. They're, most of the fans in this town understand. I'm, I've had some diehard people reach out to me, and uh, they all understand uh, that this one is probably going to go against them. I actually had someone at work tell me the other day that the difference between Pete Carroll and Sean McVay is that Pete Carroll's too old and has to go to sleep after the news, and Sean McVay is young enough where he can stay up late and watch game film. So, Rude. pretty, 
they're already knowing what's going on with this team, so we'll see. But yeah, the, the classic trap trap game is up there as well. So we'll get to that. Good stuff. Uh, before we get to the game, Joey, you get a chance to throw some love on your boy Jared Goff. He got named the September NFC Offensive Player of the Month. Obviously, played lights out the last two weeks. What? Yes, and it's one I of those think where not not to go negative. Just go, just go with it. I I I I'll go negative just for a second. I think the reason why he won this award is because the Chiefs play in the AFC, but he did you know he did beat out some. Some, some some good players are having good seasons, and it's uh, pretty exciting just to know that our quarterback is at the level right now where he's winning awards. So there's no sort of um, I don't know. I, I I just like that now people can just enjoy him and and watch him play, and he's he's a drawing card right now, and I think that's great. And I think we need to just kind of sit back and really. Um, enjoy that fact that we have a quarterback that's exciting to watch because for a long time we would have these these guys that we trot out there like i never really thought case keenan was fun to watch he got the job done (laughs) but he always i always was kind of like yeah all right when he put up big numbers he always put it in like a like a boring way i don't know why and i think this last game i just thought like if this if he could keep it up like that even just the last three games, just these big, these big ballsy throws. Um, I just think it's fun. I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm excited. Did I? Sense I think he a deserved little, the award. Did I sense a little, a little shade there thrown? Like, because last year we had Gurley, you know, was in the MVP race and he, he fell short. So then they just gave him the, you know, the runner-up trophy of Offensive Player of the Year. Am I, am I kind of getting that from you? If, if this was to be like a, a league award, that we're going to give it to Patrick Mahomes and then, you know. Jared Goff will get the token secondary award like earlier did last year. Well, I think if you call the season right now, Robbo, I, I definitely think that um, the sports media would give Patrick Mahomes to the um, the MVP. I think right now, yeah, um, especially with that game that he played um, on Monday Night Football. I think right now he has he has the heat right now, and I know that Rams fans, especially on Twitter, are very salty about it. Oh yeah, but I I don't know I I don't get I don't get angry if another player is getting a lot of attention because, um, you know, it's, it's competition, man. It's like it ebbs and flows. And if Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes become this rivalry and it's a big deal when they play each other and they're going to be in Mexico city on Monday night football, November 19th, that's going to be a hype game. It's going to be exciting. That's what we want. You don't want, you know, I don't know. Alex Smith every week. <laughs> truth. What do you think, Joe? Is, is, is this something that Rams fans should uh, just chill the hell out about? Because you've seen it. Well, on the, on the I TSC don't know. Stuff, people just get upset about yeah. the, the dumbest things. Yeah, well, what, what I think is funny, and I tweeted this, what, one of the things I like is the dynamic of Rams fans saying, why, why is the media getting so excited about Pat Mahomes? He has too little experience. They're just jumping the gun. And then immediately saying, Jared Goff's the best quarterback in the NFL. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and to say, yeah. I like uh, somehow holding both those thoughts. But here's what's interesting, and this is where it's, it's clear that Joey's right. There, there's an affinity on behalf of the media and the public, especially beyond the Rams bubble, 
for Pat Mahomes. I don't know what it is. I'm posting our, our fan pulse results, this fan pulse uh, effort that we've been running across SB Nation where we're, uh, we've got, gosh, I think 3,000 Rams fans that we're polling every week. And across all 32 sites, we're, we're polling other fan bases. Um, more than 50% of respondents, when asked who the MVP is at this point, answered Pat Mahomes, and less than 20% did Jared Goff. And I'm, I'm not sure why. Jared Goff's thrown for 1,406 yards. Pat Mahomes is only thrown for 1,200. Um, Jared Goff obviously is in his third season, while Pat Mahomes is essentially kind of starting his first season. Um, it, it, it's 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions for Mahomes compared to, and it's not like this is anything necessarily worse, but uh, Jared Goff has 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. So I, I, I don't know what the major discrepancy is. It, maybe it's highlight. I, I don't know. What do you think? Is it a style of play? Maybe? Is it like style of play? Maybe I mean, he's a little uh, flashy, I, I, yeah. exciting. Because yeah. Jared Goff isn't flashy or exciting, right? I mean, that play, that play last week when he's rolling out to his left hand, switches the ball and throws it with his left hand, that one crossed <laughs> every highlight reel across the – I mean, it, it was it was good, and it was exciting. Well, what, I was just say, what, what the, what the yeah. difference between that and Jared Goff scrambling and hitting Cooper Cup? Totally, the same thing. One was with the left hand and one was with the other. I don't know. It's, I think that Jared Goff play when he hit Cooper Cup, it felt still like he was in control, and it was maybe a little bit – of like that was the design where the fact when that, Mahomes is out there, it looks like he's just figuring it out as he goes. Mm-hmm. When he's scrambling around, he has no idea where he's going. He's, it's like Tecmo Bowl. I think that captures people's imagination, and they're like, oh, man, like this is totally unscripted. And I yeah. think that's, you know, when people like watch a comedy and they're like, oh, <clears throat> it's improvised, they like enjoy it more because it's like for some reason it feels more special than if it was like crafted. And I think that's how it is here where – Jared Goff mm. kind of feels a little bit like, oh, this is this has been practiced. This is something so, that's been carefully so calibrated. Pat Mahomes is, Pat, the fact, Pat Mahomes is, is kind of the waiting for Guffman quarterback. He's, he's right. the best in show of quarterbacks. Last week, the, Mahomes um, had to come from behind in the fourth quarter, and Jared Goff still has had to do that, right? Maybe that there's some of that. And also, I think Baker Mayfield has that same True, quality. Same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So well, ba- Baker's also got the personality, though. Baker's got sure. the personality. I think that goes a long way, too. You will never see Jared Goff star. do the it's be a big deal. dance. You'll never see Jared Goff do that dance, right? The, the well, most Jared Goff, Jared Goff is the chest bump what, with his coach. Which what was pretty dance would cool. Jared Goff do? What dance would Jared Goff ever do? Would he, he won't well, do the he, shoe. He won't, would, would he do the floss? He might do the floss. That's corny by now. I'm a dad, and I know I, the I, I think Muck he would raise the roof. I think he's <laughs> You know, I, I'm kind of curious. Do you think, like, right now, like, Jared Goff is in his, I don't know where he is, like, Thousand Oaks, hanging out with, with Tyler, and uh, they're just making bean dip, just watching um, watching Step Brothers? No, just, yeah, uh, they're high. Yeah. They're yeah. high, and they're just vegging out. They're watching Netflix. They're watching Rick yep. and Morty, and Not they're shoes. chilling. Yeah, Anytime. no, of course. Why not? Anytime Jared Goff hears who let the dogs out, he stands up and does the razor roof thing, right? That's that's kind of like, oh, you know what? I was a kid. Who let the dogs out? That that was that was that's fun. That's a good song, man. It's a good song, right? bro. Jared, yeah, Jared Goff's totally. twenty three years old. He's listening to Steve Miller. He's they they just finished the blunt, 
and they're getting ready to watch Big Lebowski and look at some of the old classics no, of no, the nineties. No. I wish. That was the, that was one of the first times I touched a nerve for Joey O'Coin. That was one of the first times where Joey was like, Oh man, that takes <laughs> me back. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I've been to Lebowski Fest several times, but no, I, I, I think Lebowski Fest. Whoa, 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 whoa! Back Lebowski this horse up. We need, we need the judge's qualification on what the hell. Lebowski week five, is. week five. Oh man, this is Lebowski. There's a Lebowski Fest going on right up there in Seattle. Uh, we start with the in, we start with the injury report. Uh, it's interesting. Um, JoJo Natson coming back full strength. We got three guys not injury related. The obvious story is going to be Mark Barron. Uh, first two practices he was limited to start. Uh, the first time he's ever been limited on a first and second practice, and then obviously Tyler Higby and Roger Saffold held out of the first two practices. Did not play with knee injuries. Sounds like they're going to go. Sean McVay said this. He said. With Roger Saffold, uh, it's just being smart with his knee, kind of a maintenance-type deal. Then Tyler Higby got his knee a little bit in the game, but he returned. We expect those guys to be ready to go. As we kind of get closer to the week, they'll be able to get some more work in, maybe even tomorrow, but we don't expect to not have those guys. Love a double negative for the Seahawks. Interesting uh, injury report. Russell Wilson, Deion Jordan, both full. DJ Fluker, Ethan Pochich, uh, Chris Carson, all limited. They added Doug Baldwin, Bragley, McDougald, and Shamar Steven. We'll have to see if those guys I, – I, I don't know what they picked up today, but they weren't even on the report yesterday, picked up limited today, so we'll have to see how they go tomorrow. Frank Clark, Rasheem Green, K.J. White. Obviously, Rob, you're our, you're our mole in any territory. But what are you hearing about the injuries? What are you hearing about things as the game's over? Uh, Dan George is going to play, and they're pretty pretty happy about that. He's, he's one of their better pass rushers. Uh, he's just never healthy. The guy has – always hurt. And so I believe this is the first game he'll play this year. They're pretty excited to get him back. Frank Clark has been out as well the last couple of days. He's another one of their better pass rushers, but it wasn't injury. It was an illness, like a flu, cold thing. So I'm pretty sure he'll play. Um, they're going to be missing KJ Wright, and they are bummed about that. Uh, so they've – and they're – Everyone was thinking it was going to be Shaquem Griffin who started the first game of the season for me. He was just he's just not ready to play right. defense. Uh, so more of a special team guy. So you're going to see a lot of uh, Austin Calatrio, Calatrio, I believe his name is. Um, he'll be in there instead. Bartivis um, Mingo, you guys don't know him. He's a former Cleveland Brown who's resurrected his career here. He's had some, he's had, I think, two sacks this year. Um, so yeah, the injury the injury front. Uh, they're also missing. They've been missing. Um, uh, Ethan Posick, a draft pick last year, I believe about LSU, the guy they're really high on on their offensive line. And the guy who they've been you know, trying to get back and get going again has been uh, DJ Fluker, who was terrible in pass protection, but he's he's a big dude and can road grade. And that's that's what they, they got him for. Um, and that's what they want to do here. They want to get back to that. We talked, you know, rushes and rushes and com- completed passes. So they want to run the ball. And if DJ Fluker is out there, uh, you know, that's something they want to do is run behind him and Jermaine and Fetty. So we'll see, uh, but that's those are the guys that they're like, they're really concentrating on. So Deion Jordan is a big get for them, uh, getting him back. Uh, we'll see if he gets to him because he's going against arguably the best offensive line going right now. But that's that's what they're doing. Joey, what are you interested in terms of the the way this game sets up? Well, I mean, I think I'm looking at the um, the Seahawks offensive line that has been notoriously Ew. a weak spot for the team mm-hmm. and. 
I want to see um, our defensive line take advantage of that. And I want, I want to see if they can get to Russell Wilson and chase him around a little bit. And um, I, I don't really, I, 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 I kind of just feel like this, this is just, they're almost like the cast of cocoon, the Seattle Seahawks. I just feel like they're just these old <laughs> dudes that like just need, you know, need a healing bath or something. But um, yeah, man, I, uh, I, I, I'm hoping that with Earl Thomas out, I'm hoping they could take advantage of the Seahawks defense. I mean, how bad do you think their secondary is, you know, losing Earl Thomas? I mean, do you, do you think that they can, um, they can take advantage of some holes in like with the safety position? Oh, here's a bigger question. Could Wilford Brimley start on the Seahawks line this week? Could he, could he play? Could he give him a couple snaps? I could, could he I, play? I mean, I, I mean, think he could be like the long snapper. Could he be worse? No. The man, the man now needs starting, to look. right tackle. Watch, watch out for diabetes. Diabetes number forty-two. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Um, who else would Don Amici? Don, what position would Don Amici play in football? Fullback? <laughs> Could he? <laughs> I think I think he's a right guard. I think Don Amici is a is a punter slash holder. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg's definitely like an assistant special teams coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or he's, yeah. Like, or, you know, cause he's actually kind of like, he's one of those weird guys that's kind of ripped. So he'd be almost like the Ted Rath kind of position. <laughs> the assistant spe- strength coach. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like watching Ted Rath on the sidelines. That guy gets pumped. Sometimes this is definitely how you, this is definitely how you know it's an NFL because we can talk about Cocoon and all of us immediately know at least a handful of people in that cast. There's oh, yeah. no way you could do this on an NBA podcast. An NBA podcast, somebody would bring up Cocoon, they'd be like, the, the what? What? Is, what? That, is, that like a, is that like a new song? By, that's on that new Lil Wayne, Cocoon, right? <laughs> right. Totally. Good Lord, we're old. Uh, well, you were, you were talking about the offensive line. Uh, you might see them uh, they they lost their one of their tight ends last week. Well, obviously a rookie who they're pretty high on, good blocking tight end. Right. They're, they're right. talking this week that they're going to line up line up a uh, a backup tackle, George Fant, who actually played basketball at Western Kentucky, maybe with Tyler Higby, yep. uh, who huh. played tackle a lot last year. But they're going to line him up at tight end and try to run behind power offensive line as well. That's that's something we should look for as well. Him him and place the tight end and just try to you know ball control it. That's their that's what they're talking about. Pete Carroll was talking about that on his show the other day. Got to get George first round running back going. Got to yeah, get that uh, power running game going. They've been doing running back by committee here. One week it's Chris Carson, he gets hurt. Then it's uh, Mike Davis last week had 100 yards. Rashad Penny got back in there. They don't trust Rashad Penny and, and pass pro, so I'm not sure what he's going to do this week <laughs> because you know, Russell Wilson's getting killed bad enough as it is. You get inexperienced running backs. Do, back you there. remember when we used to always talk about John Kelly? <laughs> Remember we were, we were curious on how many touches he was going to get a game. Like I was like, oh yeah, he's going to get like 15 touches a game. John, John Kelly. It's it's almost as if I remember that name from somewhere. Yeah, those are the days. Yeah. Now and that sounds very Star Wars esque, like Episode Four music. Uh, yeah, no, the preseason times were fun with the John Kelly, Joseph Noteboom, Obaniah, 
Okoronkwo and Micah Kaiser and Tigray Scales times. Um, people are still holding on hope that Oboe is going to come back and do something this year. You know, people are after, still holding on hope that Nelson Spruce is going right? to do. Like there's still after, people that he started. He started on the pump. You know, he, he can come back in and after the 49ers game, he, they could you know get right back in there. And I'm like, really? You want a rookie? Like, what was he? A sixth round pick? Fifth round pick? Uh, yeah. <laughs> rookie to come in nine weeks into the season on on, on a Super Bowl potential team and start getting some run. Mm. Here's here's what I think is kind of fun about just kind of the discrepancy between the eras was we went through this era previously where obviously we weren't very good overall. We we had plenty of talent, but we weren't really putting it together. The Seahawks obviously were going to Super Bowls. They were top of the league legion of boom. Uh, but the Rams still could play the thorn in their side. What I find interesting is not necessarily will the Seattle Seahawks, but could they play the thorn in their side and how interesting that might be for them to be able to, to play the foil as the Rams start, you know, threatening for Super Bowls and postseason runs and McVay and golf kind of coming together and starting off their NFL careers together, how the Seahawks and Seahawks fans and Seahawks media for you, Rob, that you have to endure might have to deal with the idea that the, the best that they might get are these two games against the Rams in an era where we're playing really good football? Well, I have the question. Yeah. I got a question for you, Rob, that goes along with that is, is that, you know, you're in Seattle, you're going to be at the game. Do you feel like the 12th man is, is the same without this Legion of boom? Do you feel like they're going to be less intense now because Uh, they are, that they is, aren't as extraordinary? That is – that's a good question, and it's something, you know, I talked to friends about here a little bit. Just, you know, the 12th man thing really – I mean, it picked up their first playoff run with Pete Carroll. Um, the Beast Quake happened with Marshall Lynch. I mean, they were – they're talking about it tonight that the Rams are a seven-point favorite, and the Seahawks haven't been that big of an underdog at home since that, that playoff game against uh, – what's like 2009 or so when the Rams played up here – the last week of the season and lost, and I think the Seahawks won the division with a losing record. What were they? Eight and whatever it was, you know, right, right. nine and seven, right. seven and nine, something like that. And seven then they nine. went and upset. Uh, New Orleans had to come here for that game, and they, they upset them here at home. And that was the last time they were this big of an underdog uh, up until this time. So that's that's been what like eight nine years. Um, that's that's really interesting. What I what I will see is if you remember the game last year, you know they were loud, they were they were they were you know really boisterous. And then Todd Gurley hit him in the mouth. And then he hit him again, then he hit him again. And that place emptied out at halftime. There's a news station, NBC news station, directly across the street from Central Lake, and they have a little webcam out front of their, their place, and you can open and check out, you know, live from Central Lake. You can see people, whatever. And there was a mass exodus at halftime that on their live feed of people just fleeing that stadium. They just they just quit and they left. That's the first time I really saw the, you know, the 12th man become more like nine and a half man. So I, I'll be there this weekend, and they'll be loud, and they'll be really into it again, and it's, it's legit. But as soon as I get punched in the mouth, I am not going to be surprised to see the 12th man go back down to, like, 10 men, 11 men. So I think that's, that's, really, that's, a, that's a pretty good point because LOB, that thing just took over this entire city. And that LOB is that, that secondary, but it was their entire defense because you had Cliff Averill, you had Michael Bennett making plays. Wagner, KJ Wright, Cam. I mean, they had so many great players on defense that just 
like, like, like the GSOT offense was, that's what their defense was. And people here fed off of that thing. And when they're shutting guys down, I mean, their, their big claim to fame here during that run was that they, they have a, uh, a, a tally board in their stadium, like how many false starts they cause because they're so loud. And uh, I think they call it miscue board, but you could, you could look up there and it, it's, it was real. Teams come up here and had a hard time. They had a hard time operating. But over the last couple of years, you go back and look at some of the scores. Seahawks have still had a pretty good record, but they've been behind a lot and had to come, come from behind to win. And, and the crowd wasn't, you can take this crowd out. Let's put it that way. You can take the 12th man out. If you come out, you smack them, you get a lead. And then, what really deflates this crowd is when their offense shits the bed. When when Russell Wilson's getting sacked or they go three and out and that stuff, you know, they're not they're not moving the ball. That's when that crowd really gets quiet. And so I think we all expect it. I think I'll, every TST member picked the Rams to win this week. So I sure expect did. to see that happen again. Uh, but that's something to watch for. You know, see, you'll hear them loud. They'll be loud on TV early, but – when the score against against them goes against them, um, start watching for the empty seats in that stadium, and the, the noise just disappears. I know you said that LOB took over the stadium, as in the Legion of Boom being an acronym, but it also kind of sounded like you said LL Bean took over LL the. Bean? I also yeah. like that as an idea, just like Eddie Bauer came in and dominated the crowd on Sunday, just absolute flannel and. Then light, light <laughs> down. Another fine <laughs> Seattle company. Good call. Mm-hmm. Um, they all went camping. Let's do this. We, uh, Joey's got his bold predictions going up. I don't want to subjugate those before we get there. Uh, X Factor, Joey, you've got bold predictions. So you can go first. Who's your X Factor for the game? Well, I think my X Factor is going to be. Um, well, you know what? I talked to L.L. Bean. You outfit them with us. such beautiful outfits; they won't be able to focus on the football. Yeah, exactly. I think Max Factor is going to be um, Aaron Donald, and I really think that how how he is able to chase down uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, I, I think uh, I think this could be him adding on to what he did last week. And I think that he's going to get uh, he's going to have a great game. I think him and Sue are are really kind of starting to kind of uh, you know make something special on that on that defensive line. And I know that there's a big thing this past week how they had um, they were like number one in defensive pressures in the NFL. They're kind of they good. Have, yeah, they're kind of good at football. Exactly, little... but they're they're getting the pressure, and so I want them to kind of uh, turn up the dial. So that's, I think it's my X factor. What you got, Rob? Uh, my expector is going to be a Seahawk, actually, uh, because, Ooh. you know, why wouldn't it be? Uh, you remember how it was when we really weren't good and our best player was our punter, Johnny Hecker? We I loved, remember that very well. We love those when Johnny Hecker just dominated a game. He won us a game against the Jets, if I recall. Uh, that's Hi, happening Gold here. Dixon. Yep, that's happening here. Australian kicker uh, is all the, the rage up in Seattle right now, how great he is and – you know, he does these crazy punts, and he, I mean, he's good. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He, he's actually pretty damn good, um, but he's the star of their team right now. He's who the fans are kind of going to now that there's a lot of adversity and they're look, looking pretty bad, and so I'm looking for the X Factor to be uh, for the Seahawks to get to cheer him on more than any other player in the building because I think he's going to be quite busy. Michael Dixon, Seahawks punter, punting and making all the 12s happy. Nice one, Robo. 
I've got a I've got a weird one because it's it's obvious, but I th- I think he's what's the right, right way to put it the the most obvious forgotten man for the Rams in 2018, and that's Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley hasn't had a, spe- a, a right. He hasn't had a, a a special game that you ascribe to Todd Gurley yet. He's he's had performances. Right, he's run for a hundred yards more than twice. He's run, he's put together all-purpose yards, uh, almost a hundred yards uh, in all four games. The only game he didn't was against Arizona. Fantasy owners don't care because he's putting up points, but he hasn't had the game where the Rams have had to lean on him the way they did against Seattle. Obviously, you talked about it earlier, Rob. In Seattle, where you say, God, this guy's special. He hasn't had that kind of game yet, and it's not because he hasn't been putting up yards or points. It's that it, it hasn't been Todd Gurley. The the maybe the best fantasy performance he had was Week Three against Arizona. He had three touchdowns. Do you guys remember how many yards rushing he had in Week Three? Uh, I'm gonna guess he had one game with a hundred yards, right? He hasn't. He, he I'm gonna say two. seventy. Is he had less. two? Joey, less than seven. Uh, this is like Price is Right. This is rotating Price 40, is Right. Forty-seven. Ding, 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 ding. I think we have that in our sound bank. Oh, man, I had it read. That's the wrong one. Of course it is. <laughs> that was for me Love for it. getting the song. 42 yards. Todd Gurley had 42 yards rushing, and we barely even talked about the fact that Todd Gurley had 42 yards rushing. Just too much else going on with the offense. Jared Goss playing phenomenally. The offensive line is great. The wide receivers are great. He's kind of like the forgotten man on offense. But he's he's third in the league in yards from scrimmage. I mean, Alvin Kamara at six eleven. He's at five thirty two. So he's still getting the ball. But yeah, it's not just not in the rushing game. And it's it's not really about him. He's he's just kind of a the same way that Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are all components of this offense. He's a component of the and not a bad one. He's it's, a really good component of this offense. It's about Jared Goff, right? I think Joey nailed it earlier. It's the you know the the offensive player of the month. It's that's that's who the star of this offense is right now. Guys, I, I think change. we can say it. It, it could change the game. I mean, Todd Gurley, Gurley could totally system, take over. System running back. System right? running back. I mean, just hey. plug him in. Yeah. It's beautiful. Get Benny Cunningham back here. He could do the same things for a lot less. Where's, it's a wonderful where's Daryl Richardson? Where's, where's D. Richardson? Daryl Richardson. Um, in Canada right now. No. Uh, that they Trey, might all, they're Mason. all on that same team. All, Trey Mason, Daryl Richardson, Zach Stacey. No, I saw Zach Stacey getting uh, put in the SEC legends for Vanderbilt. Got to love the Stacey God. We got a couple notes on here for topics to address as we start to run towards the close of this. A piece from Robert Mays at the Ringer. Uh, not sure who threw this in there. One of you guys put it on there. So did. I didn't get a chance to read it. So, Joey, run That's us great. through this. Yeah. Something about Robert Mays and the, the coaching success sure. of McVeigh and the idea yeah, that, no, it was, that, that teams are going to look at it moving forward. Yeah, you know, it was just a big, a big long kind of puff piece that, um, you know, they had some – that's what kind of footage and he broke down some plays. And well, as a, as a big Lebowski fan, we know you love a long puff piece. <laughs> I do. <laughs> is, is Robert Mays going to be at Lebowski Fest this year? It's just, <laughs> as long as he doesn't listen to the Eagles. All right. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think it was cool because he just talked about how McVeigh is just on another level and it, and it's, 
you know, using the word brilliant and genius. And they had uh, Matt LaFleur was quoted and he was talking about how, you know, it's just the same stuff that we've kind of heard. But I like the quote where uh, Whitworth was saying that he doesn't feel like McVeigh is coaching the team, but he's rather teaching them yeah. on how to play football the right way. And it just felt like there's a lot of quotes from Goff too. And, and they, they meet every Monday and every Friday. And they kind of, Monday they go, okay, here's the new plays that we're going to implement. And then Friday, Goff kind of tells McVeigh like what he's, what place he likes and what he's more comfortable with. And Goff kind of had this, um, this kind of story he was talking about when they were playing uh, against the Texans last year, right? But, you know, right before they threw that, that 93 yard touchdown pass to, to Robert Woods is that Goff was starting to get the offense. He's starting to kind of figure it out and he, and he saw what the defense was giving him. And, and he said, he thought to myself, man, I really hope, you know, McVeigh called this play. And then he did. It was like, he felt like he was on the same page as McVeigh. He's like, okay, cool. Like the play I wanted is the play he called. And he was able to just, w- w- without even thinking about it, just like did the play through it and, and it worked. And just talked about how McVeigh isn't reading like a, like a card when he calls these plays, it's all off memory. And that's what Goff was so impressed. He's, he's like, yeah, he wasn't like looking down, okay, what play should I do? He just immediately at the top of his head, once he saw the defense, he just was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And they're starting to really be on the, um, on the same page. And I think that's what we're seeing with Goff right now is because that he is um, just learning so much from, from McVeigh. And I just, I just thought it was a really great article. And I think people, um, I think everybody should read it. Cause uh, I, I listen to the NFL show every week, the podcast at Robert Mays and, um, and uh, who's the other guy? I was Danny Kelly. Danny Kelly. No, it's not Danny Kelly. He, he's, he's on that every once in a while, but um, it's Kevin, Kevin Clark. something. Kevin, yeah, Kevin Clark. And uh, th- they would always kind of bash the Rams at the beginning of last season. Like they were like, oh man, you got to get direct TV because now we have to watch Rams games. We live in LA. And it just felt like that wasn't that long ago. And then now they're just like yeah. writing these things. And, you know, they're the most exciting team in the NFL. It's just so crazy how, how quickly this has happened. But um, yeah, it's a. Uh, I just I was also curious on, um, you know, the people always talk about like when there's like a coach that's doing great things, people st- try to copy them, and I was just wondering like, can other teams copy what McVeigh is doing? And if they do, hmm. is McVeigh then going to turn on and, and do something else? Like right now, they talk about how McVeigh has that the three wideout concept and. Every every kind of set looks the same at the beginning, and then they kind of do subtle things to change it from there. But their their look when they go out looks the same every time. But the defense is now starting to go, yeah, but this could be anything. They could be doing anything. And uh, they talked about that play with Cooper Cup, the, the first touchdown, not the one in the end zone, but the other one, and how that was the same look that they had before um, against yeah. uh, the Chargers. And it was just a, a little just tweaked a little bit rather than the, the, the tight end going deep. Um, Cooper Cup, you know, went out. And so if the defense were studying that the San Diego game, it was that same exact play, but with a little bit of a wrinkle. I think the play was called like a leak. Um, anyways, it's very X's and O's, but I, I, um, I thought it was pretty good. So uh, there you go. And they, I'll link they it compared up. 
they compared McVay to two other great coaches as well. Like, you know, he's, they remind him of a young Belichick and Nick Saban. So if you're going to be in company of coaching circles, that's not a bad twosome to be with. Oh, Nick Saban, successful NFL coach. Great. No, no. Great Miami coaches. Dolphins. Coaches. <laughs> I love it. I do, I do like, and this is one of those things that uh, the media does a lot of times when we lionize things in the NFL. We we get we get real horny about details, right? The idea that he and Goff meet on Mondays and Fridays. The idea that that almost a Nazi esque schedule is somehow one of those things that we get real excited about that. We will meet on Mondays and Fridays at 4 p.m. You will bring approximately 200 words of notes. No more, no less. <laughs> like It's one of those things where, for whatever reason, we get real excited about the discipline and the exactitude of NFL football and the specifics of what you know, they, they, they really hone in on. I, the, the other thing I liked, and obviously I was just kind of looking at this, but I, one thing that I, I really wish we had more reporting on is the way that Les Sneed speaks English. It's, it's one of those things where it doesn't make sense. There's something not right here. We, all of us speak a certain kind of English, whether you're from California or uh, Boston or Texas or Florida. We all speak the same language, but we speak it a different way. Les Sneed speaks a different kind of language. He speaks this weird kind of like uh, almost like a Dickensian. The kind of Dickensian kind of English, where he, he, there's a quote in here that says, "It was before the clock struck ten in the interview." Nobody says that. Nobody actually says those words. That's the that's the way that fucking Edgar Allan Poe would write words. Nobody actually speaks English like that in 2018. That's what. Uh, that's true. I guarantee you, Lesneed is a frequent. Participate at Lebowski Fest. <laughs> There's no chance he's not. Yeah, totally. And he's always dressed as the nihilist guy, <laughs> like the, like he's dressed in like a red tie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm in. He's, he's 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 one of my dudes. He's a Manhattan Beach guy, man. He just sits on the beach with his visor and just gets his nose sunburned all the time. He's a bro. We need. It we was need to perhaps talk to before to the clock struck ten. At which chance they did speak. We need to get Mike Myers, this is Hollywood, get them get him down there to Rams Camp one day in his Sprockets uniform on a Friday when when Jared Goff and, and Sean McVay are meeting and do the full Sprockets would like to pet my monkey and very regimented German thing. Yeah. Who would play right who would play less need in the uh, the Ram in the movie in the biopic? Oh, that's a good question. Um Aaron Eckhart. Mm, that's good. That's good. <laughs> who who was the who was the dad in Back to the Future? Um Crispin Glover. Oh Crispin, Crispin Glover. Glover. <clears throat> Crispin Glover. Yeah. I was I was thinking like a Jim Carrey where he could just make wonky faces as he says just inane shit. But uh I could yeah. get down with Crispin or, Glover. Or what about McConaughey? Or what about everybody in Cocoon as the <laughs> only NFL <laughs> podcast that has mentioned Cocoon? Twice Can we in an episode. resurrect Don Amici to <laughs> I think he just found Don Amici's role. 
Uh, not telling me we're going to an alien world. Um, it's going to be a good game, obviously. Uh, week five with four and zero. Start a three game road trip. This is going to be a lot of fun. Mark Barron possibly coming back. Uh, Greg Zerline not coming back. We got to see about Saffold and Higby. The idea of a trap game is this something that uh, piques the interest of either of you guys? Not anymore. I, I think it's kind of a boring idea because it's especially with the Rams this season. I mean, how many more trap games are we going to have? Like eight? Right. Yeah. Well, there's 12, there's trap games. 12 games left on the schedule. All 12 are trap, trap games. games. Right. Uh, see, as a, as a Rams fan who's conditioned to watch them lose and not, not do the right thing, I, I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. And that's when it, last week I picked the Vikings. I was one of the four of us that picked against the, the Rams. And, boy, I caught a lot of flack in, from, our, from our staffers for that. The professor right. was very angry. And um, like, you know, oh, this, this, is, oh, this is a trap game. The Dodgers are going 162-0 and 0 next year. <laughs> I love Prof. Uh, you got to love Prof. But, yeah, I, I was waiting for the trap game. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, I gave Bate my prediction for this week, and he, he has an article coming out about uh, when, is the, when is the next game we expect the Rams to possibly lose. And I had to go way down the schedule to find one that I thought, all right, Ooh. this one. This one, I think maybe they can lose, and I'm, I picked them to go fourteen and two in September. So, I'm, nice. I'm kind of getting on board with this. We're just expecting them to win now. So, yeah, yeah it should should be a problem this week. We got it. Sp- spoiler alert: What was your loss, Joey? What'd you have in the round table? The Packers. Mm. And and I I just kind of feel like, you know, you you get Aaron Rodgers on that field, and I think he can maybe make our defensive backs and our secondary look a little. You know, if Kirk Cousins can light us up, I mean, what is Aaron Rodgers going to do? See, that's but, right. I went with the, with the Saints on the road. Yeah, and the two games I picked in our in our same preseason cost, were the Packers and the Saints. So, you know, yeah. we'll see. But I think we're right there on that. Back to back games. Good one. Yikes! On to the next one. I'm not even giving my. Do I have to give my spoiler for who I picked? To lose? Yeah. No. I think you should. I don't want you, to hear it, Joe. Don't say it. You were talking it. about the Rams. Don't go negative. It's boring if they go 16 Don't go in negative. Go in negative right. in terms of time. Backwards in time to week three, Sean McVay came into the locker room on Monday. We will take time upon the negative travel schedule and travel until week three. Chargers. <laughs> Fight for LA. Fight for the American Reich. Yes. No. Uh, no more Nazi jokes. Um, value of losing adversity. I brought this up because last year the Rams lost to the Vikings on the road late in the year. And Andrew Whitworth backed the idea that they needed to lose. And I thought that this is interesting in a, in a time where we're talking about the Rams haven't lost a single game, uh, when we're going to lose first. This was this quote. After we lost to Minnesota on the road, he said, it's frustrating, but the reality is we needed adversity. It's not to say that we didn't need to come back and win that game, but when you're on the road in a really hard place to play against one of the best defenses in the league to play the kind of game we were in and for this team to be in that game, I think it shows you that we're legit and we're the real deal. If we get this opportunity in the playoffs and get a chance to get in, then we'll be prepared for it. Those are the kind of games you're going to play. 
If you want to play after the regular season, if you want to play late in the year in big games, this is the atmosphere you're going to have to learn to play and win it. And I thought that was interesting because of who we're going to play. We're playing the Seahawks, who obviously have had that kind of environment in years past. Robbo, you know that. The Broncos, who, albeit not one of the strongest teams in 2018 where things sit, but over the last decade certainly have been. And the 49ers, who have some history there and we're hoping to get there, we could face some really uh, uninviting audiences over the next three weeks that could test us more so than we've been tested at home for the last three weeks. And I thought, at, at least in terms of Andrew Whitworth's words, for one of the, the senior veterans and the oldest guy on the roster – those words seem to hold some merit that maybe going into these games we should revisit. I think it's a good point. I think that's really interesting because I think right now the confidence is so high and everybody's just expecting them to score more points every week. And yeah. I think that they need to understand how to play when everything's going wrong. Because even when things are going wrong in your penalties and turnovers and someone gets hurt, you can still win the game. I think right now the wind is at their back and it's, it's, it's easy. And I think I remembering that game in Minnesota and they had just a really tough environment. I mean, that was, that was a tough game for them. I mean, they were, they were outmatched that. That, that was the game. That was the game where Rams owner Stan Kroenke came out and said, if you look at that crowd, it's obvious we don't have a home field advantage in Los Angeles. He was impressed by that crowd and that that environment, too. Yeah, in that new stadium. I mean, yeah, they killed it. And I think um, – I don't think we're going to get that till 2020. I mean, I just right. I just don't think the Coliseum is just built like that. But if we could get that in 2020, it would be – Amazing if we just had a stadium that kind of fit the fan base and it could be this this really advantage. But anyways, the point is that us going I, going into Denver, which is like a really loud place, and and also um, you know Seattle, I think um, I think they just it yeah it is a trap I guess, but it's also the thing is mm-hmm. they just have to understand. Um, what their identity is as a team, and and they're just going to figure it out. I think it's going to be really interesting to see them kind of um, to see each each player kind of carve out their role because you know we still have guys that um, really have a really designated role, like guys like Gerald, Brett, yeah, you know, or even on the defense. I mean, how is Mark Barron going kind to of fit into the offense? How is he going to work side by side with Corey Littleton? I mean, they haven't done it yet. Sure. There's still new stuff. I feel like the team kind of has a lot of malleable parts. They're not totally this, you know, um, rock solid machine, but they've been doing it for five years. And, you know, it's like, well, this is how we play the game. It's like they're still a young team. And we have to just remember that. Like, you know, Jared Goff is 23 years old. Todd Gurley is, what, 24? Or is he also 23? He's young. Regardless. Same thing. We're old. Yep. Yep. The good news is, is they have good veteran leadership to kind of keep them a little grounded. And uh, you mentioned yeah. Andrew Whitworth with his quote, but there's a quote that happened yesterday from another leader in that team, uh, Michael Brockers. Mm-hmm. He said, I hate it. Good point. I, hate looking, at, I yep. hate looking at SportsCenter and they've got you at the top of their power rankings. It's just like, you know, stop crowning us. 
for me, I'm a humble yeah. guy, and I don't want to be crowned. I always want to be. I always want the attitude of being the hungry dog, being the underdog, because you almost seem to be more hungrier when you play like that. So I think as long as they have those voices in that room, uh, and those are guys that people listen to on that team, it's not like, um, you know, Josh Reynolds is, is saying this kind of stuff. Brockers and, and Whitworth are two respected guys on that team uh, in that locker room, and I think when you have those kind of guys talking about things like that, it's, it's going to keep everyone focused. At least that's my hope. But at least they're saying the right things. Yep. I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. I, I think it's obvious I was supposed to read that Andrew Whitworth quote in the Andrew Whitworth voice. I missed that. Um, we don't have a Matt, we don't have a Michael Brockers voice yet. Is that is that supposed to be the the voice? What do we give Michael Brockers? I don't know. Michael Brockers voice. I mean, I hate these. I hate looking at Sports Center. Look at the top of the power rankings. When in doubt. When in doubt, go German. When in doubt. Mm, that Michael Brockers, just something about him looks like a Nazi. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on now. Michael Brockers is, he's a good old boy, right? He's a good old boy from Houston. Yeah. You, now, Greg Zerline. You don't have a Houston, yeah, Greg Zerline. Has a German. That is Gregory Zerline. That is Gregory. Legatron is Zerline has a groin issue, my groin. That is a groin with Gregor the shite. Who's the least Nazi guy on the team? Is it Michael Brackers? Michael Brackers might be the most anti-Nazi guy on on the entire team. Yeah, you know, Brandon Cooks. Um, I, I would probably say maybe the, the most be, be behind Greg Zerline is uh, Rob's boy, Cooper Cup. Cup. The Tom Blum, Cooper Cup. Aryan-looking dude. Yeah, he's pretty Aryan. Is this the weirdest care? Is this the weird, weirdest careless whisper drop we've had? Is talking about Nazis on the rock. Yeah, it's like Cooper Cup's watching American History X with Jared Goff, and he's like, "Is it weird that we're watching this in the dark, Jared?" That is some time to be together, one on one. Body I cannot get behind associating any of our guys as Nazis. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sanction my boy Cooper Cup as even though he looks. I hilarious. can't get behind the body. I can't. I can't. <laughs> That's nine. I can't. Emmanuel can't. What did he say? He can't. He was the first like, one to say it. You sound more Austrian, Arnold Schwarzenegger there. I yeah, the, 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 they're all they're all good guys. They're all um, they're all in the up and up, right? Never forget um, Garrett Sickles. Um, yeah, no, enough of the the Nazi jokes. Um, five. Uh, it's gonna be fun. It's interesting. The 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 one thing I'd leave this game on, and and Rob, I think you got to be the guy to go to on this. the The idea of a trap game, and the idea that the trappy is the Seahawks. This is new. This is, I mean, I, I get it. It's the new NFL, the Rams, the Jags, the Browns, the, the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes at the front. We're all talking about the new NFL, but the Seahawks being one of these teams that's being relegated in the back, that's weird and that's new. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been the cream of the NFL for how long? Uh, 2011, 12, something like that. I mean, and as I tell people, as I tried telling people here, as we watched the greatest show on turf last five years, I said, you know, I keep telling them, enjoy it while you can, because this thing's going to end soon, and yeah. it's going to be abrupt, and you're not going to like it. And uh, windows closed. 
it it's it happens and it just it just goes and um i got in the car this morning and it was kind of funny because some of the the local guys here just haven't grasped the concept that they're not as good as they were and there's some excuse making going on but the first thing i do i get the car turned on this morning and one of the hosts on espn here in seattle is talking about well you know the rams are they're good but they're not that good and this thing it's not sustainable you know they sign all these guys to big money contracts and they're not going to be able to pay people in the future. And it's going to break down in two years and you know, we'll see what happens, but I don't think he realizes what their cap space is looking like right now. So uh, I'm looking forward to having our run for a number of years and let them, let them play catch up. People are turning them Pete Carroll. It's just, it's all new territory for these guys here. And uh, um, I'm going to enjoy watching this fan base have to have to scramble a little bit. So I, I do get the trap game. And as I told, you know, I'm, as I told you before, I'm, I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop on these guys. Um, I've seen many average teams come to Central Link and put on on the, on the better team. I, I think we all remember Case Keenum and Kenny Britt over Richard Sherman. Um, hey, right? It just there's no there's no part of that sentence that should make sense. Case Keenum to Kenny Britt over Richard Sherman in his prime. Uh, but we watched it. They won that game. They always put them tough up here. People even even tell me, you know, it's it's the 49ers are the, are the rival up here, but they always hate playing the Rams because they always play them tough. Um, but I just don't see the reverse happening because the Rams were built to do what the Seahawks aren't good at, and that's take a, a defensive line taking advantage of a terrible offensive line. That's how the Rams mm-hmm. won those games or made them close. I don't see the Seahawks having some tonic that's going to take advantage of the Rams' weakness. I just I just don't see that. Do you, I mean, what right now the Rams' defense – it's probably the weakness of the team, right? Because they gave up all those yards last week to Cousins, whatever. The Seahawks aren't going to outscore the Rams. The only one who's going to beat the Rams this week is the Rams. If they start doing uncharacteristic things, whatever, turnovers, that's the great equalizer. But the Seahawks aren't built to take advantage of the Rams like the Rams were built to take over the, take advantage of the Seahawks. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, just, I just don't. Colon, period, exclamation point. That's the fine point at the end of the Seahawks talk. On to college football 2019 NFL draft. I feel bad because at the beginning of the week, Robbo, I had one mock draft, and by midweek, I had two mock drafts that I wanted to post, and I got it's to none of them. Five, because you're a good man. I'm doing a horrible job supporting our fan base, and I apologize for it. The fans uh, don't want to hear about mocks. Oh, they, they about love the mocks. February. They love the mocks. Week five in the college level, Joey, your thoughts on how things ranked up. Obviously, you watched a ton of college football this last weekend. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, uh, Stanford, Notre yeah. Dame. All the transgressions that went on the top 25, the big power programs. You were there. You were front row watching this. What did you think about the college football landscape? Well, I think uh, State is, um, is, is, ri- is rising up there. I mean, everybody's talking about, <laughs> about, about the old – there they are. They're right you know what? There. I mean, it, it's pretty sleepy because it just feels like it's 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 four teams. It's the same four teams. You're Alabama's. Right. I mean, that's they're untouchable. So I I kind of feel like everyone is scrambling to be after four. You know, so I, I mean that the kid from Clemson, he's practicing. He's back yet, right? The guy that busted Trevor his Lawrence. neck last week. Brandon. Yeah, Brandon so. Bates' favorite Lionel. So the the guy, the guy that that I'm paying attention to is the dude from Houston, um, just because he, he might be like the number one draft pick. Case Keenum? Yeah. No, Ed Oliver. Uh, Shut up, oh. Ed Oliver. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It, I mean, it, the, I, I was watching something on ESPN about it today. And uh, it just seems like they're really pumping up that game and they're really excited about him. And uh, I don't know. Do you think he's going to be like a a top five prospect right now in the 2019 NFL draft? I just want to make sure we clear something up. Joey, were you saying you saw a piece about him tonight or you were watching actual college football tonight? No, man. I was like carrying a baby to a yogurt (sighs) shop during that game. (sighs) Um. Yeah. I was. Uh, I was, I was going to say. Wait a second. We actually. I watched part of that game. Can we talk about football? No. Okay. Nine. Okay. No. No. Nine. We talk about that. Nine. Nine. Ed Oliver. Aston Sprechen. Aston Keeper. Of course not. No. Um, yeah. No. Ed Oliver's incredible. He finished with 13 tackles tonight. He still hasn't had a single stick on the season. But what's interesting is. Ed Oliver is a true junior. If you think about this guy, this is a young Aaron Donald clone before there was an Aaron Donald in college football. So right. he's not the size of a of like a Michael Brockers of an Indomitian Sioux. He's not that big, but he runs like a running back and he plays defense kind of like a tight end. And you don't have a lot of guys that are that athletic and that fast on a defensive line. And just like Aaron Donald, how do you defend that? And the answer is you don't. The, the, the biggest thing you can do is scheme around it. And we're seeing teams do that. And it's really, 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 really hard. Uh, tonight was another good example, albeit against Tulsa. And you scared me, Joey. God, I thought you watched Tulsa at, at Houston. And I was going to say, wait a second. You have a child. You are hiding a child. Well, I, and also, the, also the Dodger game was on too, you know, come on. That counts. That counts. You gotta, you That's gotta, you, you gotta watch the Dodger game. I don't, but you That's do. Awesome. That's true. Uh, true. Yep. Robo, week five wrap up. We're not talking. We're not. We're not going to talk UCLA football this entire year. I think at this point we are going to blanket it out. We're not going to acknowledge it until we get to next April. We're not going to talk about UCLA football. Last week, uh, Joey's right. The top four is solidified. We had a uh, we had a nice challenge between Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, Penn State failed. They failed miserably. They had a nice lead, I think a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You, uh, Ohio State comes back. A really questionable call on fourth down with uh, head coach James Franklin. And our top four set yet again, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State. We're heading towards That's, that's going uh, to oh. change this week. That's going to change this week. Please do tell Mosh Brecken what you got. Kyle Shermer and Kalijah Lipscomb what? are going to Take that apart is not where I thought you were going. The Bulldogs this week. Going down. Sorry, Todd Gurley. One team of yours is going to lose this week. Uh, now, if, if, if they lose, Behind who, who, the, who do you think get into that? Or do you think uh, if Oklahoma beats Texas, do you think that would be enough juice to get into the top four? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm telling you, behind the Zach Stacy day and Vanderbilt's uh, going to rise up, on the road in Athens, Georgia, Kyle Shermer is going to uh, hook up with uh, Kalijah Lipscomb for five TDs. Just going to torch those dogs. And uh, we're going to have a change at the top. There's my That's college football take. It, That's it, a it, good it. take. Look at you. Robbo did research. I'll give you credit. That's uh, 730 Eastern time, 430 Seattle time, LA time, SoCal time. Uh, SEC Network slash Wasp ESPN. 
against Vanderbilt at number two, Georgia. What's, what's interesting about the rep from last week is that not a lot changed. Um, and that's part of the problem is that what we've got is this calcified top four uh, in college football and everybody else is just dealing with the scraps and that lets teams like Kentucky come in. That, that might be the most interesting game of the weekend is number 13, Kentucky. I can't, let me go ahead and look that up. Cause I want to be specific about the last time Kentucky was this high in college football. I can't remember. Nope. Nope. Oh, are they playing nope. at the Lebowski? 2007. They were, Chunky. they were ranged with Chunky QB. that it was, no, no, Jared. I looked. Jared Lorenzen. He was fun. He was fun. Jared Lorenzen was tons of fun, but he the team wasn't good enough. Before that, it was 1977. They were ranked sixth. In 2007, they were ranked eighth. And this year, they're already ranked 13th. And what's interesting is, if they can get by this, this is a test. They go to Texas A&M that held up a pretty strong challenge against Alabama. Um Man, I don't know. They look really good. They 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 look the part of a team that's got NFL talent. Guys like Josh Allen that would make sense at outside linebacker for the Rams. They got talent at running back. They got talent on the defensive side. It's really interesting. This isn't a great weekend overall. You get you start with Texas Alabama. Uh, excuse me, Texas at Oklahoma. That's gonna be Texas State Fair. My home, my heart. Uh, it's at twelve o'clock on the east coast it's 9 a.m you gotta you gotta wake up and look at fried foods at 9 a.m and texas and oklahoma nobody wants to do that um strange timing for this one but it's what we do uh you got lsu at florida that's coming 3 30 slash 12 30 that's going to be on cbs again that's sec football that's no good um maybe later on in the day you get the washington against team uh, in LA, that could be interesting. You know, we're not talking about who. We're not talking about who. Next. Just a Washington game. Next. Uh, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech obviously had the big loss against Kentucky. We've got a Kentucky joke somewhere in there that somebody. Well, I was just going to say that, um, as you guys know, that in 2002 in Louisville, Kentucky was the original first annual Lebowski Fest. Unbelievable. That's I where not Lebowski Fest belongs is Kentucky. It started in a bowling sure. alley in, in Kentucky. Uh, a bunch of uh, stoners sitting around going, let's do a festival. And, this uh, is and then it moved on to Milwaukee, New York, Las Vegas, L.A., Austin, Seattle, Chicago, San Francisco, all Jesus over the world, Christ. guys. Holy yeah. shit, Joey. So here's the thing. This is, this is Schrodinger's Lebowski's cat. You're both <laughs> lying and telling the truth at the same time. Everything you said was absolute bullshit. It also completely happened. Uh, it is. Yeah. And that's where we have to end things because when you're talking about Kentucky football and you're talking about Lebowski Fest and you're dropping links about it, it's time to wrap things up. <laughs> week five, Rams, Seahawks. Robbo, this is your game. This is, this is, this is specifically the Robbo Bowl. It's, it's Robbo, what are you wearing on Sunday? What jersey? Oh, that's a great question. Oh, what do you think I'm wearing? Well, uh, well it's I a Cubs jersey, absolutely but absolutely sure not at least half <laughs> naked. I'm gonna I'm gonna go bare ass naked, just have a little speedo. I'm gonna shave my chest hair into an 18. I'm gonna get on national TV. Uh, 
full disclosure, I, I ordered a Marcus Peters jersey a month ago. It hasn't arrived yet because I ordered it from a scrupulous <laughs> link in Asia, and uh, they seem to take a long time to ship, ship jerseys to Americans. Uh, I was hoping to have it for this game. So I was going to do the Peters throwback. I don't have it yet. So I'm going to go with the cup. Supposed to rain, so I'll do I'll do the uh, I'll do the, the, the sweatshirt with the cup jersey over it, and oh. um, I'll be I'll be I'll be doing the cup. I'll be I'll be there in the cup. Is, is, is it the cup there white a, jersey with gold, or is it the it throwback is, cup? No, it's the cup white. It's, it's the cup there was white. A, so the, there was a chance that you were not going to wear a Cooper Cup jersey to this game. Yeah, I was going to do Marcus oh, Peters. That's cool. You're a fucking liar. You're I'm a fucking no, no, no. liar. I love Marcus Peters. Who who loves? Cooper Cup more than I do? Marcus Nobody. Peters. Marcus Cooper Cup's wife? Peters. No, Marcus Peters. <laughs> no. Marcus. No. Every no. damn time. Have you seen those clips? Cooper Cup. Coop. He's always he's always yelling for Cup. And he's he's flexing. Marcus Peters is a bigger Cup fan than I. So I need to tip my hat to Marcus and his jersey. Transitive fandom. Your your fandom of Cooper Cup has translated to Marcus Peters' fandom of Cooper Cup. Oh God. And yeah, then, but I love Peters. Just the way he talks to the press and he's honest and just he's everything incredible. about Peters, I love. I love him. Uh, I love Cooper Cup for different reasons. Peters is kind of my dog. I I, I love some Marcus Peters. He's just fun. He's, yeah. he's and when you're winning, it, you can be fun. When you're losing and there's adversity and you throw flags at people and you get suspended in Kansas City, maybe you're not as fun. But in Los Angeles, Marcus Peters is fun. And I that's like one him, of my bold like predictions. Everything. Oh, is oh. That, one of my bold predictions it. is that Marcus Peters is going to get kicked out of the game because he um, <laughs> says something horrible to a referee and makes him cry. So, this is sein Jürgen. This is sein Jürgen <laughs> contra das den Seahawks and Rams. You cannot kick me out. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. So that's it. Cooper Cup jersey. Going to be going to the game. Going to be making fun of everyone around me. Uh, I'm going to be that asshole fan that no one wants to be near because when we're up by 40, I'm going to make sure they all know that their dynasty is done and they might as well just get their tickets back because uh, they've got a long road ahead of them. I hope Pony you ram it. For, I hope you ram it too. Point of clarification. I will ram it. Now that we talked about it, Marcus Peters is the least Nazi ram, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marcus Peters will... Yeah. Marcus Peters will not be yeah. down for that. I mean, I really yeah. hope all of them are. But if you want me to make a <laughs> an ascending list, I think he's maybe. We're gonna we're gonna maybe. save it. I don't want to go there, but I think next next week we have to talk about who is the most Nazi Ram. We have to do it. We're gonna save it. We're gonna save it until we're five and zero. Robo, we're going five and zero. Good luck uh, in your hometown. Hope you have a good time. Be a good host. Be a good day. Could be a good day. Ramming it. I'm Joey. We'll see you at Lebowski Fest, my man. All right, right, gents. We'll we'll see you next week. Ram it. See you next week. Later, we out. All right.
kannst du Daumen und Pfeifert, fünf, ja. Dort sind die Finette Paarstecke, eins, Cooper Cup, oft, Anzeniba, ja. Genau, das ist ein Pastorschiff und so dreist, das ist das heißt. Ich bin schon mit weg, du stehst da drei von guten. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Fultron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations. Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.